Thank you for joining us on After Dark with Robin Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or head on over to AmericaOutloud.com and click on the Listen Line tab for 24-7 Talk Radio. Tonight, my co-host is Heather Robinson of the New York Post. Andrew was unable to join us tonight. Our topic, we're on the eve, Heather, tonight of Trump being arrested and arraigned. And we know that there are many people on the left, and I'm sure that there's some closeted folks on the right that are in celebratory mode. They can't wait for this to take place. They have wanted this to happen. Mm-hmm. Ever since he came down the escalators at Trump Towers to say that he was going to run for the presidency. Now, we've got to keep in mind that before all of this took place, before 2016, Trump was everyone's best bud. They all loved him. Al Sharpton loved him. Jesse Jackson loved him. Trump even won a Civil Rights Award alongside Rosa Parks. Oh, really? Yes. Rap stars loved him. They rapped about him being Donald Trump. He was on TV shows. He had the number one TV show, The Apprentice. They couldn't get enough of Donald Trump. And The Art of the Deal, his best The Art of the Deal. So it begs the question, what changed? Why why now? Oh, Mm -hmm. even Oprah Winfrey. And, you know, he's coming out with the book whereby all these people on the left sent him personal notes or said, Mm -hmm. oh, you're the greatest person. And Mm -hmm. I saw the other day uh, Gail King of CBS. She was asking Oprah Winfrey Mm -hmm. about Donald's book. And she said, you know, he's including a note in it that you sent to him saying Mm -hmm. that he was a great person. And you also mentioned that, you know, maybe we'll be running mates one day. She said, well, how do you feel about that? Oprah Winfrey. And of course, she tried to couch it with, well, you know, yeah, I did send that. And I'm so glad he's going to include it. But, you know, I was talking about something different. Now everything is different because he's the person that they have designated as a person that we have to hate. We don't like Donald Trump. We want to stop him. And why do they want to stop him? Because Mm -hmm. he wants to make America great again. Now, we've talked about Trump before, and we know that Trump has his faults. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's very audacious. He's loud. He's like a bull in a china shop. But we cannot take away from the obvious fact that, Heather, he loves this country, and it's all about putting America first. And when you want to put America first, that does not mean Joe Biden Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, or all the others on the Hill, AOC, that he is a white supremacist as they're trying to make him out to be. It is ridiculous. We need to get away from that. And Heather, I have to blame a lot of conservatives for not standing up and pushing back on that fake narrative that the media has been so successful, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, of labeling many conservatives not the the Mitt Romneys, whom they like, or the Susan Collins or Lisa Murkowski, but they've been so successful in labeling other Republicans as white supremacists to shut down the argument. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I I think it is incredible. It's a total, it's a near total brainwash, Rob. I mean, I don't know that they call him. Well, yeah, they say he's sending little signals to white supremacists and stuff. 
you know, the word they use to describe Trump is more racist, I think, than white supremacist. But I'm with you. I mean, the facts of his life never supported that. I mean, if, if anything, he integrated one of the clubs in, in Palm, Palm Beach. You and I talked about that. Uh, that's on the record. Vanity Fair did a whole spread about that, I think, in the early 2000s. I mean, there's no I mean, I there's I, I'm not aware of any evidence that he is some kind of racist. I mean, it's just been repeated over and over and over again in this Orwellian deluge. And I think it's an example of how you can repeat something, you know, a lie, basically, over and over and over again. And you can create reality in people's minds. And it's, it's frightening to me. But I think that as far as standing up to it, I think a lot of people are very afraid to even touch the subject because they don't want to be you know, smeared with that label. I think they're afraid that if they start saying, no, Trump's not a racist, the mob is going to turn on them and say, well, you're the racist for defending him. So I think that's part of it. But it's it's never been terribly logical. You know, as I've pointed out, you know, I mean, if anything, Biden has said a few things that I think I'm not saying Biden is a virulent racist either, that he sits around, you know, God forbid, hating black people or something. But I mean, he said a few things, you know, such as, uh, you know, uh, unlike the African-American community, um, the, the Latino community has diversity of opinion, things like that, that I think are very insulting to black Americans and it was, is racist. I mean, if we're really going to look at people's statements and parse them, I mean, there's no reason to think to put it, you know, <laughs> to put it in, you know, very blunt terms. I mean, if anything, for an old white guy, I think Trump's probably less racist than mo many of them. I mean, I, I don't think that there was ever any evidence, you know, that he has some kind of nasty attitude or problem, you know, with people, you know, different groups of people. I mean, so yeah, I mean, I think the whole thing has just been, it, really, he's a threat to the establishment. I think the people who have demonized and vilified him are coming from different points of view, and it's coalesced into this, this mass blob. But I've always felt there was more than one thing going on, but that the, the really where it came from, the genesis of it, maybe you know, has to do with the establishment in our country. We have a huge bureaucracy. We're a huge country and government has grown and grown and grown over the decades. And this is something that, you know, from what I recall reading George Orwell was predicted. Um, he predicted the growth of government all around the world and that the, there would be a, a drift towards socialism because when government gets big, it, it starts to serve itself. It, it becomes, you know, groups of thousands and thousands of people who have careers in government. And there's that um, other sociologists have written about this. It's like they exist to protect their own jobs and serve themselves and help their friends and relatives get jobs who then in turn help others get jobs. And, you know, some of that isn't evil. It's, it's human nature. But the problem with it is, is as it gets bigger and bigger, it becomes more and more about itself as opposed to, you know, something like a small business that's more. Right. And it, want, and it wants to survive. You look at yeah. Joe it's Biden's like family. 
right yeah. organism. You look at the Biden cabal since he's been in government, going all the way back to his days as a senator. You look at his brother, his sister, and now his son, how yeah. they have benefited and how they have profited. Even now, all the crimes that they are laying at Trump's feet, they themselves have committed. You look at mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi and her daughter and her sons. She's gotten them jobs. They have done videos for her, and she's paid them with yeah. our taxpayer money. You look at James Clyburn and his granddaughter. She has done the same thing. Nancy Pelosi, I'm not Nancy Pelosi, but Maxine Waters and her daughter. You look and at, and I'm not, like you said, I'm not saying that it's wrong, but no, yet it's still. I mean, there's the Bushes, the Clintons, uh, the, uh, yeah, of course, the Bidens, the Kennedys, you know, these dynastic families. That's also true that we have an elite, you know, group of families. And I'm not saying they're controlling all world events. I don't think it's that, you know, I think that gets conspiratorial and kind of, you know, um, what it's just it's that I don't think it's that tightly organized or that all world events are controlled by a few families. I mean, I think that's illogical too, but you know, it doesn't have to be a conspiracy to be true that when you have groups of people who are very deeply embedded in a system that is self-serving and that's, you know, serves, they serve each other. And, you know, it's like a, a, a bigger, wealthier, more corrupt version of a lot of things in life. You know, you, you people help each other and certain to a certain extent that's fine. But when it becomes about that, you know, equally or more than it is about, you know, keeping things accountable to your your the people you serve and the bosses you serve and who whatever. I mean when you're when you're just about yourselves and helping each other to the point that you're out of touch with you know, a leaner, more muscular, responsible kind of way to live and do your job. I mean, it becomes a problem. And I think it's it's long past that point in our country. And, I, you know, my eyes have been open to this a lot in recent years. I never really thought about it when I was younger. I just thought it, you know, just whatever, you know, you know, I, but I think that government has become kind of a racket in this country for for a lot of people who want power and to get rich and stay rich and you know get you know have it be their whole lifetime career to go from you know elected office to office they haven't built a business or served in the And the, the power not only that Heather but the power that they're able to accumulate and then when you look at Trump who went in a billionaire Although mm-hmm. even then the media said, oh, he's not a billionaire. But now they're saying that he is. Right. And he used, he went in a billionaire. Has, he no, left the same. Right. Nobody can and, say true. He's right. not a creature of the establishment in the pure way they are. Exactly. He's not a part of the establishment. But the other thing is that he, his family went in with what they had and they left. Whereas others have gone in. You look at Obama. You look at the Clintons. They've gone in, I guess, just like with no money. 
and then they left with money or yeah. the opportunities to make money and oh, no yeah. one says anything about it. But when right. you have a person who went in with his own money and left with his own money and tried to ensure that the people, giving the government back to the people, that's what yeah. he said on his inauguration day, giving it back to the people, they have fought tooth and nail to keep that from happening. Hence yep. all the accusations, hence from day one, Russia collusion, the two impeachments. And I would say, Heather, that what we're seeing right now with this, and, and I'm phony charges, charges that have long since expired, if you were going to bring anything to the courts, they are using this as a payback. We didn't get you on Russia collusion. We didn't get you with the two impeachments. Now we have this phony baloney fake charge that are completely outdated that we're going to get you on. And not only that, I would also dare say that Alvin Bragg, who's trying to hopscotch his way to higher office to be the government or president, he's also looking at now, this is a big stretch, but he's also looking at, I am paying back a vendetta for the Central Park Five boys because Trump came out so hard and said mm -hmm. that they were guilty. And I read this in an article the other day. It was a small little piece, but I'm mm -hmm. like, you know what? I do believe that's, that's one of the things that he's looking at, that I am now giving them mm -hmm. justice for what he said and what he did as if though Trump was the only person. He wasn't the only person. There were so many other people who felt that those guys were guilty. Still to this day, I do believe that they had something to do with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I no. do believe that. And I am a black man. When I first heard the story, I'm like, no. And why wouldn't I think that? Because if you look at everything that's happening in New York City and surrounding big cities that are run by Democrats, who is at the forefront of committing crimes and who's being let out on the streets. You have Alvin Bragg, who has decided on his own that I am going to take misdemeanor felonies and I'm going to reduce them to misdemeanors. And then the misdemeanor that we know they're saying that they're trying to lay at Trump's feet, we're going to elevate that to a possible felony. How can that be? This is so reminiscent of the countries that we have accused and talked about and saying that their justice system is wrong. We had the president of El Salvador to come out the other day and said, America can no longer come out and lecture other countries mm. on, our way, on our way of justice when they have their own problems. Look at what Japan, China did when Biden first took office and they met with them on some type of summit. And China said, how can you lecture us about the Uyghurs or how we should treat people when you yourself have problems in America. They mm -hmm. walked right into that. Mm -hmm. How did we get to this moment? It's because people stopped looking, they weren't concerned, and lo and behold, here we are. Now, Heather, mm -hmm. we're going to pick this back up on the other side of the break. You're listening to After Dark with Rob and Andrew, and we are discussing our topic. I don't know if I mentioned it. Trump is not beneath justice or the law. We'll see you on the other half of the break. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. 
Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Are you worried about spike proteins and how they may impact your health? Are you looking for help? The Wellness Company has an answer in the form of our clean, pure, all-natural spike formula developed by experts like Dr. Peter McCullough. The Wellness Company's spike formula includes the incredible natokinase, dandelion root, black sativa extract, green tea, and iris sea moss. Even better, the spike formula by The Wellness Company is vegan, gluten-free, and made right here in the USA, so you know that you can trust and rely on it if you're concerned about spike proteins. Buying American-made naturalistic ingredients of this quality separately costs over $100. Our spike formula is only $65.99. Get spike formula today by going to twc.health. Outloud listeners use the code OUTLOUD at checkout for an additional discount. Go to twc.health, promo code OUTLOUD, and get peace of mind if you're concerned about spike proteins. We're back on After Dark with Rob and Andrew, and my special co-host tonight is Heather Robinson of the New York Post. And when we went to break, we were talking about President, former President Trump, 45. And one of the things that I left you with is that Trump is not beneath the law. He is not beneath justice. We always hear people saying, oh, you're not above the law. You're not beneath it either. Contrary to what Nancy Pelosi is saying, that Trump has the right to prove himself innocent. I don't think so. Our justice system doesn't work that way. We don't have to prove our innocence. If the crime has been committed, then the state or the government has to come in and say, this person did it. But see, Heather, I don't think that that was a slip of the tongue, as some people are saying, oh, she made a mistake. No, no, she did not. That's how I think many Democrats view our law. And if we're not careful, if Mm -hmm. conservatives aren't careful, Mm -hmm. and if we don't push back on that, they will ease that into the law. Believe me when I say this, do not doubt me, because when you look at what's happening to Trump, I will put this out there, Heather, and then I'll let you give your comments. Doing my pre-work before we came on and looking at the different judges who are looking at this case, and this is completely unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have judge, the judge who's here in the current case, one, I think it's one merchant, who was handpicked by Alvin Bragg. Mm-hmm. to hear, to sit with the grand jury. So of course, they will instruct the grand jury. I've been on a grand jury, and it is true what they say. You can indict a ham sandwich. I hate, I hate saying that, but it is. You, you can. It's hyperbolic, hyperbolic, but you can do it. And I, I think that we need to reconsider this whole grand jury thing, because I think it's too loosey. It's too loose. You can give, present evidence to a group of people, and you can get them to believe what you want to believe. And of course, they'll say, okay, let's indict. Let's do it. Regardless as to whether or not it is truthful, I've sat on a grand jury and I thought, oh, my God, this is scary because a person can be innocent. But when you present your one sided version to them, they're going to come back and say, "Okay, yeah, go ahead and do it. So this is what happened in Trump's case. Look up grand jury if you don't know much about it. And it's to me personally, I think it's very dangerous. I think it needs to be overhauled. But back to what I wanted to say. So Judge Juan Merchant handpicked by Alvin Bragg to sit before the grand jury and to instruct them. Now, did you guys also know that this same judge presided over the Trump CF, the Trump organization's trial about a year or so ago, whereby they indicted Alan Weisenberg, the CFO of the Trump organization, a 75-year-old man 
They found him guilty because they said that he did not report income that he had received. His children were going to a school, and I think the Trump organization might have paid for it. So they put him in jail for five months. Now, think of all the other executives who have done the same thing. Think of Alvin Bragg, who's probably being ushered around in a state limousine. Is he putting that on his taxes, that he's getting that freebie? Probably not. Let me continue on. So that's Judge Juan Merchant, who will hear, he heard, he sat over the grand jury, but he will also hear the case when Trump goes in tomorrow and he's arraigned. Okay, let's move on. Judge Burl Howell, she has decided to suspend anything that goes with attorney-client privilege, and she has ordered Trump's personal attorney to testify before the special counsel on the Trump classified documents. We're still looking at classified documents. Now, mind you, they all knew that Trump had the classified documents. They told him, the Secret Service, not the Secret Service, but the uh, CIA or the FBI, one of the groups said, you have the documents, but they need to be in a secure location at Mar-a-Lago. And Trump said, fine, I will do it under lock and key. As of early this year, they would go in and visit the location to make certain the documents are there. This is all known facts. You can do your research on Google, just in case you think, oh, well, he's making this up. No. So anyway, fast forward, they decided, okay, we want to go after Trump because we just found that Joe Biden has classified documents also. So they created this whole big production of going and raiding Mar-a-Lago, a former president's residence, to raid it. Oh, and they told CNN and MSNBC so they could all be there with their camera. They raided Mar-a-Lago and took out documents. And in the process of taking out those documents, they decided to spread some of the documents out on the floor to make it seem as if though the documents were just loosey-goosey all over. Okay, so the judge, Beryl Howell, has given an order to Trump's attorney that you must testify and you must let us know what Trump told you about those documents. What about attorney-client privilege? So you're going to erode our justice system just so that you can get an upper hand. No wonder why people don't believe our justice system. No wonder why they say justice is supposed to be blind. But when justice is openly looking at this and openly making decisions, and when you have judges, a judge who has inserted herself in this and going along with the crowd just to try to take Trump down, we've got a problem. The next point, Judge Amy Berman. She said that Trump must be deposed for a lawsuit brought by Peter Strzok, of all people, Peter Strzok, who sent emails to his girlfriend, Lisa Page, saying, oh, we've got Trump. Don't worry about it. He will never win the election of 2020. We're going to stop him. We got him. Don't you worry about it. We've got him. We've already laid the plan out. So Peter Strzok was fired by Bill Barr. Oh, but Peter didn't like that. So he's going to bring a lawsuit and say, oh, this was not fair. I want to sue them. And I think Trump has something to do with it. So Judge Amy Berman is saying that the former president has to sit for a deposition. Now, she also said that the FBI, Christopher Wray, has to sit as well. But who is Amy Berman? Oh, well, Amy has had run-ins with Trump in the past, and she has written about it on Twitter. And she has said, I don't trust him. I don't like him. And you know what else? Judge Amy Berman also weighed in on the Paul Manafort case, Roger Stone. I think she was a judge in the Roger Stone situation. And she also attacked Bill Barr over Russia collusion when Bill Barr said, there's nothing to see here. We're going to wrap this up and move on. That's our girl, Amy Berman. Why mm -hmm. is it that these judges are out front sitting on these cases, preparing to render decisions, preparing to give jury instructions to the jurors. 
because they're the ones who would instruct the jurors as to what they can consider and what they can't. So do you actually think that President Trump, former President Trump, I'm going to say President Trump, can get a fair trial in liberal blue state, blue city, New York? Absolutely not. I don't care how many times people will say, oh, we got to trust our justice system. We're going to trust jurors. Well, we trusted the jurors with the indictment. And look at what they came back with. Again, it is up to the jurors to make the decision as to whether to move forward with an indictment or not. So do we actually think Trump can get a fair trial? That is the reason why people like Sonny Hostin was cheering the other day because she knew that these judges, and I'm going to say it, Heather didn't say it, but I'm going to say it, these judges are corrupt. These judges have a political horse in the race. And they want to take Trump out. They want to take him out by any means necessary, even if it means turning our government upside down. How can it be? Just want to say one last thing. Mark Pomerantz, who worked in the district attorney's office in New York, when Alvin Bragg won the race for district attorney, thanks to the money of George Soros, who propped up all the money for him. And I got to say, Alvin Bragg didn't get a lot of votes because a lot of people didn't vote for him. But be that as it may, Mark Pomerantz was working in the DA office. And when Alvin Bragg went in, the feds had said, we're not going to bring this case on Trump. We're not going to bring it to trial because there's nothing here. Saiban said the same thing. And then when Alvin Bragg took office, Alvin Bragg looked at it and said, nope, I'm not going to do it either. Mark Pomerantz, who worked in the office, said, no, but you should. You've got to because we've got to go after him. Alvin Bragg said, no, I'm not going to do it. Mark Pomerantz quit the office along with I think several other D, uh, DAs said, well, we're going to quit because we think you should bring charges against Trump. We can take him down because this is a blue state after all, and no one here in New York likes him. Mark Pomerantz left the office and then wrote a book against the advisement of Alvin Bragg, who said, don't write the book because it's going to make it seem as if though we're going after Trump. Well, Mark Pomerantz wrote the book, and it's titled The People Versus Donald Trump, an inside account, an inside account of the DA office. So this man working within the confounds of the DA office left to write a book about taking down Trump. So based upon that book, of course, George Soros probably read it. He went back to D.A. Bragg and said, no, you got to bring the case against Trump. And there you have it. And justice is supposed to be blind. And we see this happening. Had this been anyone else, the liberal media, the media on the right, and Democrats would be saying, bloody murder, how can you do this? How can this guy do it? He should be charged. And you would think that our justice system, our judges, jurisprudence would apply. They're sitting at the top to interpret the law. But no, they're going to go along with it. Why? Because of one man that they want to stop. Because of one man who wants to make America great again, they're going to turn the system upside down by any means necessary. And we're going to go after him. And anyone who supports him, we're going to go after them also, just like we went after Alan Weisenberg, Paul Manafort, Roger Stone. We're, we're going to go after them all. And if any Republican is sitting out there thinking that, oh, no, we're, we're immune to this, they will come after you. Mike Pence, he had classified documents. Mike Pence came out and said, this whole prosecution of Donald Trump is wrong. If he speaks too long, they're going to go after him. How are we allowing this to happen, our justice system to be corrupt like these other countries in these small places? And we want to say that we're above them? Heather, what is yeah. going on? You know, it's... It's very, it's ironic too, Rob, because, you know, for many years we've heard that there were a lot of problems in the justice system toward black men. And, you know, I think 
that that may have a lot of truth to it. And but I mean, I think now we're seeing an example of something very corrupt towards someone who happens to be a white man, you know, Donald Trump. But it's just interesting. You know, you're right. I mean, justice, is, I mean, it's supposed to be blind. It's not supposed to be about you know, people's prejudices about somebody. It's, it's supposed to be dispassionate as possible, examining the evidence, you know, as fairly as possible, sifting and sorting through things to try to objectively figure out as best you can what happened, what someone did, what you can prove they did. And if you can't prove it and you can't convince the jury beyond a reasonable doubt, that's it. You know, you, you know, it's not supposed to be a police state that we live in that makes its decision about ahead of time about who's going to be locked up and stacks the evidence and, and you know, has all kinds of personal prejudices and biases hanging out all over the place. I mean, what you described, Rob, you know, you're such a great researcher and I, you know, I am going to look into it because this Amy Berman and these other judges, I mean, it sounds like they make no secret of their prejudice and their bias. And that's not the way the system's supposed to work. And it's offensive, it's disturbing, and, you know, every American should be concerned about it. It's about more than just Donald Trump. It's about whether we have a system that is corrupt and everybody's okay with that, or whether we're striving for professionalism and real jurisprudence and, and, you know, striving for, you know, blind justice, which is what, you know, our whole system is supposed to be based on. And I think that um, I wish President Trump would make that comparison. I wish he would say, you know, you talk about criminal justice reform and other kinds of justice reform, you know, we should look at that and we should look at really you know, what, why, why are, you know, are we choosing judges who have, who are full of prejudice toward a certain root race or political persuasion? Or, you know, are we choosing judges who are going to look at the evidence and weigh it fairly as possible? I mean, this is, this isn't supposed to be about people getting on the bench to indulge their personal biases. It's, it's, it's a very, wrong. And I, I have hope that most Americans, even if they don't like Donald Trump, can see this. You know, Rob, I mean, I, I wish I could say the same thing, Heather, but something that you pointed out, and I think is worth repeating is worth us dissecting, is that people have said, especially within the black community, that justice is biased toward black men against and against black men. And you remember when Trump was in office, and he managed to get a lot of black men out of jail who had been falsely accused or were in jail with these long sentences. And he invited them to the White House. Mm -hmm. And very little was said about it by the media on both sides. Like sparingly, you would see it. But I went on YouTube and I was watching it. And it was a a remarkable event that he invited these men. And one man Mm -hmm. said, I never would have thought I would be able to come to the White House. Mm-hmm. But Trump had him there. And these men were there with their families. And it wasn't like something that was uh, staged or Trump looked uncomfortable. He felt at home because he's like, I feel your pain and what has happened to you is wrong. He was sincere. 
Obama mm -hmm. never did this. Mm -hmm. Biden has never done it. And I remember one guy who was in jail, he said that he had written to Obama on several occasions asking for clemency or saying, could you look at my case or give me mm -hmm. a pardon? And Obama dismissed it. He would not look at it. And this is the same Obama who's out saying that, oh, you're always against black men. You're always this. It's like, but you had an opportunity to stand up and you didn't do it. And when mm -hmm. Trump did do it, you attacked him. And that is the reason why in 2020, when it was time to vote, a lot of black men favored Donald Trump. One, because he's an alpha male. Number two, because he was pro-business. He understood the business industry. Number three is that he listened to them. He made them feel that they were men and not criminals. So I would say to black men, you see what's happening to Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Remember what happened to you. It wasn't mm -hmm. fair then. It's not fair now. And you can also remember that Maxine Waters came out and said that she was disappointed with black men because they voted for Donald Trump. Well, who was she, Auntie Max? Auntie Max, who's giving her granddaughter and her husband all these freebies from the government. We have got to look at this and start calling it out, as you said, Heather, and not be afraid. Now, I know that there are some that are out there that are fearful because when you do call it out, they will come down on you and they will try to destroy you. You look at President Trump, look at his legal representation. A lot of lawyers want to represent him, but they've been passing because they are afraid for their livelihood. Can you blame them? They have families to take care of. And that is what the left wants to do. They want all lawyers to flee from him. They don't want any of them to represent him, although we're entitled to representation, but they don't want that. They want it to seem as if they'll see no one wants to touch him. But see, this is what our justice system is not supposed to be this way. And when you have judges that see this, that, that see this is going on and they see absolutely nothing. Remember the Michael Sussman case when John Durham presented his case in a Virginia court to say that Michael Sussman had lied to judges, lied to judges to get a FISA warrant and how this judge went in and said, well, I'm going to let certain things in. I'm not going to let other things in. And then we to find out that this judge, his children were friends with Michael Sussman. We also found out that many people in the jury knew Michael Sussman and the judges. And some of them openly said, we don't like Trump. And then we're supposed to believe that Trump is going to get a fair trial. We're supposed to believe that these people are going to set aside all the prejudices and see the law. So when Michael Sussman, when it came time to do, when the, the, the uh, trial was over, and although it wasn't about Trump, it was about Michael Sussman, the jury pool said not guilty. And then when they went and they queried them, they said, oh, well, because we were looking at Trump. And we don't think that he, what he did, what he, he lied. And if he did, someone has to save the democracy. And the judge knew this. So it's back to square one for John Durham. And I had always said John Durham will not be able to get a conviction on Michael Sussman because of the actions of that judge. And lo and behold, I was right. And I hate that. So the same thing in this instance, a lot of people are saying, well, these charges are flimsy and they're outdated and the statute of limitation has passed and they will probably make all these rulings. They'll go before the judge and the judge will probably end up tossing this. No, they will not. Do not be deceived, because if you have Judge Marchand, 
Juan Martian, who's sitting on this case. He is not going to dismiss anything. No judge in New York will dismiss, dismiss this. They also said, well, they should probably move this. <clears throat> I think it was, uh, I can't think of the, the, the lawyer's name, but I'll, I'll get it in our next block. He had even, uh, Alan Dershowitz, he said that they should ask for a change of venue. Even if they were to ask, no judge in New York is going to grant it because this is baked into the cake. They have Trump and they will convict him. Mm. Hear me out. They will convict him. If this goes to trial, they will convict him if it is in New York City. New York City is predominantly Democrat. They don't care about the rule of law. You look at what's happening around us with criminals that are killing people. They don't care. They want to go after an innocent man because they want to stop him from making America great again. They want to stop him from going up against China. China is afraid of him. Russia is afraid of him. But you got people in New York City and all around us and our government that don't get that don't care. They would prefer that we have someone like Joe Biden, a weak man who is guilty of the crimes that they are accusing Trump of. Heather, they don't care. So I would say to all of you, don't take the bait. Don't go out and start rioting and tearing up stuff because they want you to do that so they can throw you in jail. But it is highly doubtful that Trump can get a fair trial in New York City. We will take this up on the other side of the break. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic-era strains for decades? Cofix RX took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of Cofix RX nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rx nasal solution cleanse. That's COFIXRX.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at CofixRx.com. So we're in the last block of the show, but we titled it appropriately, Trump is not beneath the law. What does that mean? Well, when people commit a crime, you always hear people saying, well, no one is above the law. As I mentioned during the second block, no one is above the law. Everyone, you know, you got to have your day in, in, in court and you don't, can't just do something and think you can get away with it. But the same applies to individuals who aren't beneath it. The law is not on top of them to suppress them. And then they have to go and say and prove their innocence. It does not work that way. But unfortunately, as of lately, it seems that we have been sliding in that direction. And that is the reason why I said during the second block, 
Nancy Pelosi did not make a snafu when she said that Trump has a right to prove himself innocent. She knew exactly what she was saying, no matter how old she is, no matter how weary she is. She knew what she was saying. She was not tired. She knew what she was saying. And she was saying it because once it's out there, once it's out there in Twitter, once it's out there in the Ethernet, in the world, People will start thinking that. They will start believing it. And you have so many Gen Zers and Gen Xers who know nothing about the law or the government or the way things functions because they're not teaching it at school anymore. They're not teaching, what is it, civics. They're busy teaching D, E, and I, diversity and equity. So they don't understand the law. They get their law from what their political favorites tell them. So when they hear this, they will take this and they will run with it and they will base all of their opinions off of the fact that he has to prove to us that he isn't guilty. He has to prove to us that he did nothing wrong and that will go into the courts. And when decisions are made, the jurors will rely on that. Now, we can always say, oh, well, you know, we're hoping that you don't, you know, take your opinions. You're supposed to just look at the law. Heather, I think those days are gone. I think that they're gone. And here's something else that's scary that I thought about the other day. The people who are in school now, in high school, will graduate and go to college, to liberal-leaning colleges. They will again be tutored or, or uh, tutored by liberal-leaning instructors and professors who only see the world through their prism. So they will get all of their knowledge from these individuals because we know the conservatives aren't on the campuses. And when they are there, they're timid or they don't say anything. They try to go under the radar because they have a family to support. I don't blame them. But still, someone has to stand up. Mm -hmm. So you have these kids mm -hmm. that are getting an education from people who are biased, who have designs with their own worldviews. So then they will graduate. And then they will become leaders of the community. They will become our politicians. They will become keepers of our judicial system. So when wow. they're raised up and they're giving these positions like on the courts, they will bring with them those views that was ingrained in them from the time they were children and throwing out everything that our four fathers had created in the Constitution. And that is a reason why so many people want to attack the Constitution and tear it up and start all over again. And when this happens, you can look at China and Russia and all the other countries under dictatorship. This will not have a happy ending. Socialism does not work. We will destroy ourselves from the inside out. It won't be someone coming in to take us over. But I will say they'll be feeding, pumping us with propaganda through TikTok and all these other foreign applications. But we are our worst enemies because we have the best of the best. That is the reason why people flock here. That is the reason why people are tearing down our borders to come here. They're not coming because we're a racist country, as we've been told. They're not coming because white men are toxic, as we've been told. They're not coming here because Donald Trump is a racist. They are coming here for our freedom. They are coming here for the piece of the pie. But it is unfortunate that the folks who are already here are destroying our way of life, Heather.
Well, I think, you know, it's, it, you lay it out and it's true, Rob. The only caveat I would insert is that, yes, you're so right that conservatives and people who care about things like the First Amendment and, and justice being blind and you, we need to be strong and, and you're right, someone has to stand up and we have to do more of it. But I would say some of us are, some of us are including you. And there are, you know, I know a few kids who are coming up now who are in college and there aren't many, but there are some very fine institutions in this country, you know, um, George Mason University, Boston College, Pepperdine. Uh, I mean, I'm just throwing out a few that are, you know, either more conservative leaning or, you know, have a, a, a grounding in Judeo-Christian ethics and, you know, teach a lot of ethics and a lot of constitutional principles. And I think there are some very fine people, you know, entering the colleges, the military, um, and I think that we need to really support those institutions. You know, I met some wonderful young people when I was at APAC last. They were uh, kids from, I think it was called uh, Tallahassee Agricultural and Mechanical. I may, be used, I may not have the name perfect, but it was a, a school in Florida. And they were, um, they were Black kids, American, amazing, you know, smart and aware. I mean, so all I'm saying is that we have, you know, we don't want to, give up uh, yet because there are some some fine young people and institutions and we need to support them. You know, we need to support them because I think that some of the schools in the country, the Ivies especially, are kind of almost eating themselves. I don't know if that's the right word, but my understanding is a lot of these programs don't even have undergraduate business schools anymore. Um, you know, the uh, uh, curriculum has become so much about indoctrinating people into one worldview that it's it's almost like, you know, I think, look, I mean, I think they're still very highly rated and regarded schools. And I'm sure there are people, you know, talented young people coming through them. But I think we may start to see a, a shift in um you know, what is valued and, and not so much in what is valued, but a return to, to principles that some people realize are important. And maybe some of these institutions, I mean, if they keep just indoctrinating kids and not providing the grounding in principles and in, you know, business and science and, you know, these kinds of um, rigorous disciplines. I mean, I think over time, you're going to see employers aren't going to maybe value a degree from Harvard as highly as, you know, from someplace like Boston College or Pepperdine. I mean, if, you know, if what we're saying is correct, and I think it is, that a lot of the quote unquote so-called liberal institutions aren't really emphasizing the, um, you know, the tough sciences and business and skills and principles, and they're just preaching woke mumbo jumbo, you know, some of the people graduating aren't going to be as qualified or as uh, effective as workers, as leaders. And I think it's going to become maybe, you know, emerge in coming decades. So maybe I'm being a too much of an optimist, but I think that there's that sort of going on. And you see people starting to question the the value of a, of a college education, of a liberal, so-called liberal education, which isn't truly liberal anymore. You know, if you're graduating people who don't have a concept you know, and I, I think we see this in the culture too, you know, that there's, 
there's there is some awakening like you know to give you just one example what happened with will smith and chris rock you know i know it sounds like a jump but if you come with me you know i think a lot of people realized that there are people in the country that don't understand the concept of free speech you know and that was an example in the pop culture where you have, you know, someone who's a comedian whose job it is to entertain. And yes, maybe he offended some people, but the answer to that isn't violence, you know. And I think that, you know, Chris Rock himself did an amazing job, you know, kind of, you know, sort of, you know, making making it into a larger discussion. And I mean, I'd like to see him go even further with that. But I think that, you know, whether you're talking about the First Amendment, you're talking about, uh, you know, business, uh, science, ed, principles, ethics, the justice system, all these things, you know, I think that, you know, if it's not being taught and not being inculcated some places, I think it, it needs to be, you know, taught other places. And I think that those are the young people who will probably have more productivity and success because, um, you know, you do need to produce value in the culture. You do need to, you know, produce something that people need. Ultimately, you can't just, you know, uh, complain and, and be successful. So I think that, you know, maybe the answer lies in, you know, supporting our institutions, you know, that whether you're talking about our churches or, um, you know, um, HBCUs, other schools that are, you know, getting back to the fundamentals, you know, I think that that may be where the future really lies. It is where the future lies. And I would also say that, I mean, that's a very good point that more conservatives need to reconsider going back into education because for too long, we turned, some of us turned our backs on it and we just gave it up and we said, let them educate our children. We didn't say exactly let them educate our children, but we said, okay, we can't deal with this. There's no money in it. So we turned our backs and in doing so, we left our children open open mm -hmm. to what we have right now. You can't go on a college campus a conservative that is, and give a speech because they want to tear it down. And as you said, what about free speech? Colleges are, are higher educations of learning supposed to be the bastions of free thinking. You're, you're exposed to so many different ideas, but the way it right. is now is shut it down. We don't want to hear it. But if yeah. it's all group think, how are we supposed to get to the next level? If someone is thinking that has the wrong idea, yeah. How can we say challenge them on it and say, no, let's look at it this way. It can't happen if we don't want different opinions on college campuses. And it's really unfortunate that our Ivy League schools like Stanford and Princeton and Harvard and Notre Dame, all these places, they're just like become a melting pot of everybody thinking the exact same thing. And I think it was Senator Cruz who came out and said that we need to reconsider when we start hiring people as college interns in our justice system, the graduates that are coming out of Yale, because a lot of them have group think, are they really getting an education or are they just getting an education in diversity and equity? And if you don't like what this person is saying, we can shut them down, which, and we see that we see the effects of it in our society with what Trump is going through. Yeah. And, and we say Trump, but as we mentioned during the first block and the second block, this is, this is going to hit home before long. 
is going to come to your doorstep. You look at the push with them trying to get rid of the dollar and go to Bitcoin. You look at the push to get rid of gas and go to electricity so that they can control it. They want to control everything. Whereas you had Trump sounding the alarms and saying, beware, look at this. This is not good. And they did not like that. How is it that Russia was able to invade Ukraine? And now, as we've said on so many shows, this is really a pseudo war that the United States is fighting. Ukraine is just a straw man. We are embedded in it because we're trying to take down Russia by doing the same thing that we're doing here in America. And then you look at China and Russia coming together with India. But meanwhile, here in the States, we're looking at trying to take down Donald Trump. We're putting him beneath the law. And Heather, I said once before that when you look at this, you look at all great leaders and you look at what happened to some of them. Look at what happened to Nelson Mandela. He was trying to make a change and he was placed in jail for 27 years. You look at Gandhi, you look at Martin Luther King, the times that they threw him in jail for trying to stand up for what's Mm -hmm. right. Now, at the Mm -hmm. time, people didn't see it. They couldn't. Same thing with Trump. They're looking at Trump and saying, oh, no, he's the bad man. He's trying to help you. He warned you. If we let too many illegals come here, look at what's going to happen. And it's happening. They want them here, not because they care for them. The Democrats want them here for the vote because they're thinking if we get them here, eventually we can get them to vote and then we'll be in control forever. And Trump is saying, no, you don't, because they're going to replace you. Look at black people without jobs. Who are they putting in those jobs? We got to look at the facts here and say, wait a minute. We're trying to persecute the man who's trying to help us. Mm -hmm. We're trying to persecute him. We're going after him. He has flaws. He's not perfect. He's trying to sound the alarms. So again, the Nelson Mandela's, the Martin Luther King's, they were also thrown in jail for trying to do what was right. Yeah, interesting comparison, Rob. I mean, I do think that whether you're talking about those great leaders or Jesus Christ, or I mean, I you know, uh, Abraham Lincoln was burned in effigy in half of the country. I do think people look at who, Moses. The same thing happened to Moses. Yeah, <laughs> so you look at it. Agents, people who are real disruptors of the status quo, are often vilified and crucified in this world. And when people years later, you know celebrate them, make movies about them. Everybody sits there and says, oh, look at that mob. Look at that terrible, you know, cruel, ignorant mob. But, you know, I, I, I see it similarly. I'm not saying Donald Trump is, you know, Lincoln or Jesus. No, absolutely. No, we're not. I'm just saying he is, though, a, um, a reformer. And I think that is part of why he is being vilified and persecuted. I see it the same way. I I think that people don't realize they, they sort of know not what they do. I mean, they don't understand, you know, a lot of what's being done by big government um, that is not in the interests of the hardworking regular people of the country, you know, whatever they're, you know, political affiliation, their race, their background, I mean, the people who, you know, get up and go to work every day and pay taxes and whose children go to fight the wars and join the military. I mean, these people, the country's kind of existing on their backs. And there's not one politician of the past 40 years, I would say, 
who has really truly made them and their fortunes a priority. Um, we've been involved in all kinds of military uh, adventures that, you know, maybe there's complexity, it's not totally black and white, but the bottom line is who's paid the price you know, it is the children, uh, you know, of all the races and backgrounds of, of the working class of this country who've served in the armies and the navies and the Marines who've gotten their arms and legs blown off for dubious ends. Uh, you know, the people who paid the taxes, you know, whose, whose businesses got trashed in the riots and, you know, plenty of them were minority owned businesses. So we're not just talking about you know, I mean, I think the Democrats like to make it all about race, but it really isn't about that. It's about, you know, who's basically following the rules and doing the work and putting up the, the you know, effort to, to do what they're asked to do and who've really not fared very well over the past 40 years, but who have done a disproportionate amount of the labor and the risk taking and I think that Trump was the first president in my lifetime who made some decisions that, you know, we had the lowest unemployment rate in American history under Trump, certainly the lowest minority unemployment rate. Um, you know, we had uh, no new unnecessary wars. Uh, you know, those two things count for a lot in my book. And I, you know, with the tweets and this and that, I mean, I think so much of that was perception. I think people's actual lives where the rubber meets the road were slightly improved under Trump. Right. And that's what matters. That's what should matter. Not all this noise. But I think and, and that, that is that is that is unfortunately that is what matters. But unfortunately, as you said, they want to stop him. They want to stop the country from moving forward. You've been listening to After Dark with Robin Andrew and America Out Loud platform and my special co-host, Heather Robinson of the New York Post. We know that tomorrow is going to be uh, another you know, unusual time, but don't take the bait. Know who you are. We can support Trump without getting in the way. Let's be prayerful. And remember, Trump has got this. Thank you for listening, and we hope to hear from you or see you again tomorrow. God bless.